It's good to be with you this Christmas. Thanks for putting God first, whether you believe it or not, um, in the middle of all the chaos uh, and all the busyness. Thank you for, for coming and putting God first and creating some space. Some of you are like, I didn't. My friend wouldn't shut up. Uh, or they're paying me, or they're giving me presents. I don't know what it was, or maybe a free lunch, but it's all good. God knows you're here, and uh, well done for those that got you here by the year. <laughs> but no, we, we really believe that um, Jesus is the reason for this season. It's not just a cheesy line that you like to maybe sometimes hear online or whatever. Um, we really believe that Jesus interrupted humanity, and, and heaven came to earth, and, and it's not just a something that we do or, or believe, it's, it's life-changing, it's, it's life. It's from death to life, not, not, not a bad person to a good person, but from dead to alive. Can I get an amen? amen. And just before I start, I always like to, to run over some of, the, some of the announcements, some of the things going on within the life of the church. You know, I believe the church should be the liveliest place in all of society, all of the community. Uh, and so, you know, we, we're, we're going to party hard New Year's Eve, and I'd love to invite you to come and join us. Uh, it's just going to be a bit of fun, a bit of DJ and, and uh, food and like what else is there to be doing on a New Year's Eve? So, so and there's going to be a photo booth out there, just, uh, you can get all dressed up, ladies if you want to, uh, guys, you know, make an effort, um, <laughs> buy a shirt or something, um, and there might be a few sales on in a few days time in between, so get your resale item there. And we're going to have a blast. Uh, and then next week we have only a morning service uh, in the morning, allowing people to rest up and eat and spend some time with family and, and get rejuvenated and all that kind of stuff. And then we're back to normal. Uh, but it's been, a, it's been a great season for us. We just came out of a, at the movie series where we kind of, the movies met, and where movies and church meet and where we kind of tied in some of the, the, the stories that came from the movies and, and, and brought out a Christian gospel message. I thought it was fantastic. Then we also have the photo booth, as Ian said earlier, in next door. If you go out of here after service, we'll, we'll probably do that about 10 minutes after service, just so you can, and, you know, we've said we're a really sweet booth, like proper professional deal. I know nothing about it, but I just bought the equipment, and there's someone that knows what they're doing with the camera. So uh, if you want to go ahead and get a, a little picture with your friends or family or if you, if you need a friend, we'll, we, we, we can rent a friend. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it takes for an Instagram pose and, and selfie or whatever, you know. But anyhow, so this morning, or this afternoon, it's usually this morning, this afternoon, I want to talk to you about Jesus is. Because there's, I'm just going to keep it simple. Jesus is dot, dot, dot. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for sending your son Jesus to that town, Bethlehem. And we thank you that the earth has never been the same. We thank you for the words that you've given us uh, and the word that you will give us this morning or this afternoon in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. It's busy. It's busy out there. It's, it's so easy just to forget sometimes when I get busy. You know, we've just done this whole building up within about 68 months, and, and we've launched about two, mon two months officially now. I'll tell you what, what, there was times when I got busy, I didn't even know, who, I was like, who do, who's behind this? Why am I doing this? There's times where I didn't even understand. I was so busy, I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing, or I was going where I was going, or I was painting what I was painting. And sometimes I, I had to ask, my, ask myself and remind myself, 
Why? And, and I, I realize even as a, a, per, a follower of Jesus, every day I've got to remind myself of who Jesus is because sometimes we forget. I've got to remind my flesh, my mind, my emotions of how those feelings of shame that, that, that I've been set free because I forget and I fall back into the old ways of thinking, into the old ways of just trying to do life my way. And then I feel burdened and I feel weighed down and I feel hopeless. And then I have to remind myself of who Jesus is. And so today I want to remind you of who Jesus is. Sometimes it's easy just to do Christmas and give presents and put up Christmas trees and have Santa and all that kind of stuff. But we forget, where did this even come from? Who's behind this? And you don't have to look too far even to the history books, maybe you're in here, you're like, I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't even know if Jesus is even real. I don't even know. Uh, well, well let's, let's, let's remind you. I need to remind you of just a few things. You know, if you even look to the history books, we see uh, things like B.C. and A.D. And, and A.D. stands for Anno Dom, Domini. Ado, Anno Domini. It's, it's basically a Latin word for in the year of the Lord. And then we see BC, which stands for before Christ. And so you don't have to go too far before historians are using these terms. It's centered around Jesus. He, it's as if we're standing on his shoulders all throughout the earth, all throughout the world. People that believe him, even Muslims, people from different faiths, don't really dispute this, don't really think it's an issue, don't think it's a problem. Because a lot of them all acknowledge Jesus to have existed. And so we've got to ask, Jesus is what? Who is Jesus? And so we look to the scriptures and we see in the book of Isaiah, there was, there was up to 300 plus prophecies. Prophecy is something, a prediction of the future of what might happen. And these were God-given prophecies. And, and within the book of Isaiah, we see most. And, and, and there, there's, uh, to the point, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but to the point were, were kings who didn't believe in God, who didn't submit themselves to God. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say they didn't believe in God. They didn't surrender themselves to God. They still, they still took it as gospel truth. They still acknowledged this as truth because it was everywhere surrounding them. Um, to, the, to the fact that over 300 prophecies came into, they were fulfilled. Now, now, let me give you a quick example. If I had a 10p piece here, this is what they said the mathematical likelihood of Jesus being real is. If I had a 10p piece and we looked at the UK, South Ireland, North Ireland, all of the UK, we filled 10p piece up to about four or five foot high. And I put a blindfold on Dylan and said, Dylan, you've got one, one 10p and one chance. You've got to try and find it. There's one pick. If you get that right, and think about the. The, all of the islands are filled t with 10p pieces throughout the, the whole landmass, and he goes and picks it and gets the right one. That's the likelihood of, of eight prophecies coming true. But there were hundreds. And so, so there's so much evidence, historical, uh, uh, mathematical, geographical evidence that Jesus came. And, and so we look to the Scripture and says... <clears throat> It says in Matthew 1 and 23, the, the virgin will be with child and will, will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about is Jesus is God. He didn't come as just a good prophet as some religions might 
bow to that, that kind of idea or ideology, but, but he came as God. He said, I, I'm the son of God. He didn't, he, and, and so what you've got to ask yourself as a person, he was either a liar, he was either a loony bin or a lunatic, or he was Lord. He can't be all three. Jesus is God. God, some of you are like, well, well I, I just wish God would give me a sign. I wish God would just do something physical so I could see it. I wish God would just make himself known and clear in a situation where I would have no doubt. He did. His name was Jesus. He put on skin and he put on bone and he changed the earth like never before. We have never been the same. He came close. He came with us. Some of you are maybe being used to an idea or maybe religion that God is distant, but God is close. He knows your heart. To know your heart, he has to come close. If it's about outward actions and you being all perfect and coming into church dressed the right way, then, then that's outward, that's distant. God is close. And we'll, we'll move on to Matthew 1 and 18. It says, this is the kind of announcement, that Je- this is how, how this thing happened. It says, this is how the Mes- Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. That means he, he lived right. He'd done things right. He tried to, to go, go by the, the letter of the law, and, and, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, can you picture this in a real-life situation? Sometimes we read that, and it's kind of just like the Bible is just far-fetched. It's like Santa in some way. You know, we, we think of it in, in some ways where it's kind of far-fetched and it's hard to believe and it's just an idea. Can you picture that? Of all the ways Jesus, God decided to send his son, it was through a situation where we have Mary over here and we have Joseph over there and, and Mary's calling, you know, texting on WhatsApp Joseph and saying, Joseph, I need to talk to you quick. It's probably a face-to-face conversation. It's probably not good. I text you this. And she comes over to Joseph and says, Joseph, you'll never believe it. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant. How, how amazing is this? I'm pre- what do you think Joseph's thinking? Who was it? I seen you hanging about with Jimmy down. The, oh, it was him, wasn't it? I seen you at the marketplace talking to that guy over there. I seen, who have you been texting? Let me, give me your phone now. I need your phone. I need to look through. No, don't touch it. Give me your password right now. Joseph's going to be freaking out. He's like, it's, it's over. I, I don't, how did I divorce this girl? She, she, she's betrayed me. Some of you are coming in here today and you feel betrayed. And you, you're coming in here with a, a knife in your back because of the way situations have paved themselves out. Joseph, of, of all ways God could have brought heaven to earth, the Son of Man, he came in a vessel that looked like sin from the outside. And it doesn't surprise me at all that Joseph needed an angel to stay with Mary. I don't know if there's any man in here that wouldn't need an angel if 
if your girlfriend or someone came up to you that you know it said he wasn't with her, that means he, he wasn't having sex. So it made it physically impossible for them to have a child. I don't know if there's any man in this room that would be standing there saying, oh, well, I'll just forgive you, it's okay, you know, whoever that was. And then she's saying, no, I actually was conceived miraculously. What? <laughs> You've lost the plot. This is ridiculous. This is not perfect situation. This is completely dysfunctional. You see, it wasn't perfect to human eyes, but it was perfect to a human heart. And so often as people, we're looking for perfection with human eyes. But often when we look for perfection with human eyes, we miss the perfection that we need with our human heart. And that's to be loved, to be accepted. And it's no surprise that Jesus had to come in a way that didn't look perfect from human eyes. But it was perfect to the human heart. See, the seed that needed to be sown into the womb of Mary had to be an incorruptible, perfect seed. But that was impossible to do with a, with a, a corruptible man. <clears throat> you see, Jesus had a mission. He didn't just come to tickle our ears. He didn't just come for, for people who are perfect on the outside. He, didn't come, he came for the opposite. He came for people who were messed up on the outside and on the inside. He came to meet with real people, with, real, with a real need of hope. It says in John 3 and 17, for, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save, it, save the world through Him. He came to save it. He came to give you life. He came not to, to tell you how bad you are, I don't know about you, but I know how bad I am. I don't, I don't often need reminded when I make a mistake. I quickly know it. The problem is if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to admit it. I can even convince myself that it's not. But if I can find an environment where I'm accepted, where I'm not condemned, where I know people are for me, where, where I know God is for me, no matter how much I mess up, I can still get back up. You know what happens? I can start to be honest with myself and with others. See, if the church could be all that God had intended to be, we would see people come to life in Christ. We'd see people receive a baby boy who came perfect but in, in a sinful form. And we would, well, why? Because he wanted us to see clearly. He wanted us to see past the imperfection and to capture the heart. So number two, Jesus is life. Some of you maybe have came in here, you've got people, our friends that are asking, what is R8 all about? What does that mean? And I need to put it up on the website because I'm sick of answering it. <clears throat> but what does R8 mean? What does it stand for? It, well, this is a verse that describes it very well. It, it says in John 1 and 25, it says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. One of the hardest things for us to do in life is to let go. But the Bible clearly says, until you let go, you'll not truly receive. When you lose your life on, on my behalf, you'll truly gain it. I'm not just saying this. This is happening. This is happening in people's lives in this room. God is bringing life. It's not boring. We got DJs. We got the beats. This should be the most creative place 
on the earth, the church. It should be full of life, overflowing, full of love. We're accepted. We're sinners that have been accepted, not because of how bad we are, but because of how good God is. Every time we come in here, we worship. You know what we're doing? We're, we're realigning our minds. We're reminding ourselves in a busy life, in a busy world, in a busy family life, whatever the situation, hey, I'm loved. Jesus died for me. I'm loved. I'm accepted. And I'm propelled to live the life he has for me. I don't have to please a person or somebody around me or people around me. I'm already loved. I'm good. And because I'm loved, I can overflow. I don't have to run around trying to get that love. I don't have to run around trying to impress people. And listen, I have to be reminded of this every day. It's very easy to fall into the trap. And lastly, Jesus is king. And this is the, the part. I'll just sit on this for about five minutes and then we'll be done. And you can get your eggnog, eggnog lattes or coffees or what is it, gingerbread spice. Jane's been all over it. Um, and it says here in Matthew 2, verses 3 and 6, when King, everybody say King. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. When King Herod heard this, he had just heard that the King of the Jews, that the King had arrived. This was a man who didn't want to know anything about this king because he wanted to be king. Actually, if I flick through um, some of the information that historians said about King Herod, it was, uh, historians tell us that King Herod named himself Herod the Great. He wanted to be great in the eyes of man. And as he liked, or as he liked to be called, he was cruel, he was power hungry, he was a ruler who destroyed anyone who feared he feared or was trying to topple him from his throne. He even killed several members of his family because he thought they were plotting against him. He had a suspicious spirit. He pushed people away. Why? Because he wanted to elevate his name. He wanted to be King Herod the Great. A new king came in town. Listen, I don't know if you've noticed, but whether you're on the sporting field or you're at work, there's always someone better than you. Whether you're a singer, whether you're a musician, whether you're into computers, there's always someone better. There's always someone's got more talent, is stronger, is smarter. There's always someone better. If you go around your life trying to be King Herod, trying <clears throat> to be the king of your kingdom, well, I don't have a kingdom. I'm not a king. That's like old times. Yes, you do. King, a kingdom is a space of land, a place that you have influence. You've got a family, have you got friends, have you got yourself, that's your kingdom. That's the space that you've been given on this earth, the time, the treasure, the talent. And if you live your life trying to be, whatever your name is, the great, you'll be suspicious. You'll be threatened when other people come that look better than you. You'll be threatened when someone has a picture up on Instagram that looks prettier than yours. You'll be threatened. It will steal your peace. You'll go through life. And the only reason King Herod is up here is to, is to point us to Jesus. It's too easy to go through life 
trying to lift up your own name to please man when really man and those people don't really care when, if it, when it really boils down to it. And let's read on. <clears throat> and all Jerusalem with him, when he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and the teachers of the law. You see, Herod even knew that, hey, these prophecies, what, what were they all about? I need to know, is this king, where is he? You are going to have the answers. He went to the scribes and the people that, that knew the letter of the law. This is the religious law, the prophecies, the book of Isaiah, they would have opened up. He asked them, where, he asked them, where, where was the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This was a prophetic word six to seven hundred years prior. He, he wasn't submitted to Jesus, but he knew it was true. He believed in the prophetic words or he wouldn't have been asking these teachers of the law, where do I find Jesus? And the reason he wanted to find Jesus was to plot against them because he was threatened. Are you threatened? Is your security in life threatened? Do you know where you're going? Do you know why you're here? Do you know whose you are and who you are? Your identity is being threatened every day by what you see, by what you hear, by what you read. What have you got to combat it? Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Do you know who created you? That, those are the real questions. And if you don't know, you'll live like King Herod, running around insecure, afraid of people coming to steal your thunder, afraid of people stealing your friends and stealing your jobs and stealing your positions and stealing your money and stealing your houses. And, but, but, but if we can surrender under the lordship of Jesus, the true king, then we set, we're set free to love as he loved. You see, Jesus didn't come as a, as a king who cracked his whip and controlled you and built his own empire. He came as a servant king who came to serve you. And today, his kingdom still stands. It doesn't just still stand. It's bigger than it's ever been. Billions of people across the earth bow down to the name of Jesus. And because of that, they receive the love of God and the experience of freedom. I'm going to finish <clears throat> with this, if my voice will take me there. It says in, in Hebrews 4 and 15 that we don't have a high priest, or we have a high priest that understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin if the band just want to come ahead on up. You see, when you think about it, Jesus came and was born in dysfunction. Some of you this Christmas, you're going to go hang out with some family members and it's going to be dysfunctional. Jesus did not have a biological father. He was fatherless. Jesus was not a legitimate child. He was illegitimate, dysfunction. Jesus was, they then ran from Herod. He ran to Egypt. He became a refugee, a foreigner in the land. 
I'm sure when he was in, 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 in the playground, he was getting teased for not having a father. I'm sure when he was in the playground, he was getting teased for not, for not having a normal upbringing. He was getting teased for not really knowing who, who his family were. I'm sure he went through all kinds of dysfunction and hurt and heartbreak. And so this Christmas, Jesus is saying, listen, I, I understand the hurt, the pain that you went through. I understand how much it hurts. But, but there's just something that happens when we lift up the name of Jesus. There's just something that happens. You don't have to understand it. You just have to surrender to it. You just got to come under it and say, listen, I didn't create me. I didn't make me. But Jesus, I surrender to you. And I just, I'll finish with this story. As a guy, a friend of mine came in here about 12 weeks ago. Just had the weight of the world on, his, on, on, their, on their lives and their shoulders and, and, and confused and, and end up telling me just recently that they'd been on antidepressants. Because of that. And, and just came in here just looking for hope. And honestly, we, we, we're not, I'm not a doctor. We're, we're not... We don't have all the answers, but we just, we just put up, we just point people to Jesus. That's it. That's our message. That's the foundation on which we stand and the revelation upon Jesus and what he done and what he came to do. And, and he just told me the weekend pastor that within 12 weeks, he doesn't know how, he just believed in Jesus. He just surrendered to Jesus. He made him king of his life. He is now free from all antidepressants. Why? How do you work that one out? Just because he surrendered to Jesus. That's the only thing that he done. That's the only message that we're given. Do I understand it? Absolutely not. Do I need to? No. Did it work? Yes. Is that the only story? No. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Why? Because we all have a desire not, not for, to look perfect on the outside. We have a desire for perfect on the inside. And it's only Jesus that can complete you. It's only Jesus that can give you true fulfillment this Christmas. But you've got to surrender. And you've got to come under. You can go around and <coughs> spend the rest of your days trying to make your name great, trying to impress people feeling that weight and that burden. But listen, if you surrender to Jesus, I'm telling you, he would change your life. I'm not talking about outward, trying to impress people, impress anyone in here, impress me. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about surrender to Jesus. The Bible says that in, in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means no, no, no. You know, the, the biggest hell that we experience, the biggest evil that we experience is often found inside ourselves where we think, how we think about ourselves, how we put pressure on ourselves to please others. You can let go of all that today, but you've got to surrender.